summoning men to be transformed in Christ as priest, as prophet, and as king. Stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Habemos papam. Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's the Catholic Hack with Joe McLean. Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven. The Church of the Living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 Do this in memory of Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and this is episode number 64, and today we're going to finish our discussion with Father Philip Chavez, a priest of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And I think many of you have enjoyed the conversation so far, as much as I have anyway. And today it's not going to be any disappointment. Today it's going to be much longer of a discussion. So I'm not going to dilly-dally much here. I want to get right into it. So let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all praise and glory be to God Almighty. O Heavenly Father, I lift up all men to you today, and I ask for your holy grace. I pray for your forgiveness over the sinfulness of men. I pray that you convert and transform our hearts to take away our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh, to make us men of peace in our home, in our lives, in our workplaces, to make us ambassadors of Christ, to love as you love, to Forgive as you forgive, to have mercy as you would have mercy. I pray to become like Christ, not only me, but all men. I pray that we can transform this world, put an end to abortion, to raise our families for the glory of God. I pray for this, this special grace upon all men. I pray to cover them in the blood of Christ. So, Heavenly Father, rain down your love upon us. Give us this grace, transform us, convert us, keep us near and dear to your heart, that we might convert this world for your glory alone. I ask the intercession of our Blessed Lady, O Holy Lady, whisper the names of each of the men of this podcast into the ear of your Son, that he might have mercy on us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we have a lot of material to get to, so let's not waste any more time. There is one other thing that I really want to mention here at the beginning of the podcast, and that's uh, a little plug for a website called holyfix.com. That's holyfix.com. When I was at the Catholic New Media Celebration, a gentleman who runs this website came up to me and asked me if I would uh, plug his his service. And I said, absolutely, I would. No problem. So check out holyfix.com. Do you have a statue that needs fixing? Is it broken? Did an arm or a finger fall off or something like that? 
Maybe the head popped off. I know in my house, the heads of statues don't last very long around my toddlers. Maybe that's it. So check it out. Holyfix.com. You can get your statue repaired today. So check that out. Holyfix.com. Well, without further ado, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's dive deep and let's get into the truth about masculine spirituality with Father Philip Chavez. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. This when I sit, even just a little bit, I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split. When I submit, fall on the floor and adore. Can't get enough, got to come back for some more. Hey, we've got a problem here. Sinner, every woman, hypocrite can benefit in this school. Repent and commit. Roger that. The incense rises up in adoration of the throne. Something happens to my wounded heart from all the love revealed and shown. Bright like Shakina comes to my head to persist. The change and sustain the way I think it exists. To feel the bliss because my name is in the book of life's list. That's what happens when you sit in the school of the Eucharist. Mr. Hammond, take her down. Make your depth 150 feet. 10 degree down bubble. 150 feet, 10 degree down bubble. Aye, sir. Dive, dive, dive. You know, and I can see that in my own two sons. When I when I come home, my youngest son is 10 months old. When I come home from work, he if he sees me, he'll crawl all the way across the room as fast as he can, you know, to to, to crawl up on me. And and he just he just wants to hang out and and so I can see on that very basic level the attraction that that exists right. there without ever having to speak a word to each other because you right. know, obviously he hasn't he hasn't begun to speak yet you know unlike my daughter right. my daughter didn't really have that you know my daughter's just now oh. she's two years old she's just now starting to develop this relationship with daddy but. Um, my son, very quickly, I could. There was a big difference between the two, and so I can totally right. understand how, if priests, you know, or vocation directors, simply went about this like a father and a son, that we could probably see a, a drastic difference in the number of vocations, especially so. you know in this country, let alone our church. And you know, and I think Pope John Paul II was a, a wonderful example of this masculine you know, idea of what it means to be both men and priests, religious, you know, I mean, this was a man's man. He hiked and camped and, you know, skied and, and he stood up to the communists. And, you know, I mean, this was a man's man. And and I think people respect that in him and they, and they, they were admired that even if they couldn't put their thumb on it. And, and uh, I think that's probably why a a lot of men really like John Paul. um, I think so. I think so. And I want to add, too, that, you know, many of the things, again, that these priests engage in weren't necessarily organized by the priests. They were oftentimes organized by the laymen. Mm-hmm. And this is what laymen have to understand. It's really their proper role to get these groups together. And mm-hmm. um, it's the priests who should be participating in these, in these groups in, in the, as much as he can. It's not his natural task to – or his ordained task to organize them. But this is where we need – men, laymen, to come out into the churches who will start these programs for boys, whether it's, you know, for camping or scouting even, mm-hmm. um, or for some kind of sport endeavor, uh, intramural kind of project, whatever. Right. Um, this is the proper domain of the layman, and because uh, the priest, it's, it's not their proper domain, but they, they should just, you know, be invited to participate, and when they do, um, you know, all the men can be working together, together both the parish uh, priests and, and the laymen together, and that's where they can form their bonds as well. But um, this is what laymen need to be summoned to, and many laymen have many gifts, 
mm. and we need to incorporate those more in, in you know, organizing these programs for boys especially. Now, Father, I might be walking on eggshells a bit here, but how much of, how much of the um, seminaries – in this country, the history of our seminaries have, have caused uh, sort of a decline in, in proper masculine formation of priests right now? Okay, well, that's, um, yes, that is a touchy question. <laughs> um, the difficulty is, you know, in seminary life, it's, it's very hard oftentimes for men to, to garner and, and still uphold their masculine identity when in seminary life, you know, you have to do what you're told, they lose a certain kind of independence of, of projects or activities or whatnot. Now, fortunately, that has changed a bit, um, oftentimes for the good in certain areas. But um, in the seminaries themselves, men need challenges. They need to learn how to stand up. They need to learn how to debate issues. Um, sometimes the seminarians are put in situations where they have to be a little bit too careful about the things that they say mm. or the things that they're doing. Um, you know, seminary formators should be encouraging a certain audaciousness in the seminarians, you know, to, to form that lion in them as well as the lamb, certainly to, to form them like, you know, in the image of Christ who was indeed obedient, but also the Christ who took initiative, who went out there and, um, you know, endeavored to face certain evils or certain conflicts or certain uncomfortable situations. Um, and it is a difficulty, too, and it's, it's right and proper that we provide for priests who serve the church. The difficulty is sometimes it's very easy to get comfortable mm-hmm. in, um, in the clergy state where everything's provided. And it's difficult for many priests because they don't have to fight for the heart of a woman. They don't have to fight for a job. They don't have to fight and struggle to figure out how the house is going to be kept together or the yard work is going to be maintained. Many of these things, which men grow in their masculine identity, learning. Now, I think priests supremely can grow in a certain masculine identity if they're more engaged in some of these things we've already talked about, and leading men and uh, and doing other physical things, maybe. But the difficulty is, I think priests are so caught up, unfortunately, and have to be nowadays, by these other necessities and other concerns of running a parish that they don't have time so much to engage in many of these other things which otherwise would be healthy mm. for their masculine identity. And so in this way I have a lot of uh, sympathy for priests. I mean they're put in situations for which it's oftentimes very hard. And so I, I find myself those priests who, who seem to garner that healthy masculine sense are the ones on the day off they're out hunting or fishing mm. or they work a lot around the parish. I mean they're not, a, you know, they, they engage in the yard work which some lay people think, oh, Father, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, the gardener should. Well, the priest needs to get out there. He needs to get his hands dirty. Yeah. He needs to sweat a bit. And, you know, men need to face the elements. They need to face the hardships. They need to face um, nature. They need to face other things um, where they can be creative, um, where they can use their, their strengths, their natural physical strengths. And so it's difficult if a priest isn't engaged in many of these things. He's going to find it otherwise hard to, let's just say, develop that or garner that warrior that's within him. Mm. Are there any retreats that are geared towards uh, influencing or building up priests in the masculine spirituality? Well, I, I don't know of, of um, institutes that directly work in these areas. I mean, there's an institute for prissy formation in Omaha, Nebraska, mm. and they're doing some good things. 
Um, there's some other organizations, one run by Father John Fragilio for priests, mm. which try to help priests deal with their issues and band these guys together. So I think initiatives are growing in the church. I think there need to be a lot more. And what I'm finding, too, more and more priests are getting together and doing the more audacious things. They're going camping. I mean, they're yeah. going they're, they're, they're going hiking together. They're doing things more where they're more engaged and more vigorous manly activities than just, you know, getting together for, you know, beer and steaks. And, um, <laughs> right. um, and it's good, you know, I think the men golf together yeah. um, when they share that time together and do these things that are vigorous where they're sweating and where they're competing. I think, yeah. I think priests need to compete against each other. Men need to compete so they're not afraid of standing up. They're not afraid of maybe losing. You know, right. they're not afraid of um, uh, being the underdog, so to speak. Right. And this is competition's a way a man overcomes a lot of his fears and insecurities and, you know, learns to lose with dignity. And um, and with those healthy competitions, he, again, he just garners better his masculine identity, you know, to, to do the things he needs to do. So, mm-hmm. well, these are just a few of the things I want to mention. Well, you're creating an institute where you are going to help men through this process of, of masculine right. spirituality. Let's talk about that. What is this? What is yeah. the institute all about, and, and where, what's the vision? Well, the vision, first of all, Joe, I think it has to start with just the knowledge of what masculine identity is. I mean, men are very confused today just about their own gender identity. And what that means, and what does it mean to be a man? What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? What are his, what is, is the virtues he's naturally prone to in those vices? And what's his place in society? What's his place in the family? How is he to father? How is he to love his wife? How is he to lead her? How is he to engage her heart? How are others to engage his heart? Um, so first of all, in this Men's Institute on Forming, I'm trying to help men understand, first of all, what their masculine identity is. Secondly, I want to help men understand that masculine journey. In other words, what they must be doing as men to um, live out that masculine identity. Now, we already mentioned a number of those things already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a number of ways that men need to learn how to do that in the family and outside of the family. You know, men, I find generally, aren't happy either until they're working for some project for the common good. You know, it's in the heart of all men to make a difference. Every man wants to leave his mark. And so that's part of a masculine journey, that he's engaged in something to make society a better place, aside from protecting and providing for his family, which he, he takes a natural pride in. But he needs to learn many things about his journey, how to face him, his heart, how to face himself, how to bond with other men. He needs to be encouraged to join men's groups. He needs to be encouraged and, how to, and, and taught how to participate in these groups, which he learns mainly by example and by other men leading him. Mm-hmm. But he needs also to learn how to engage also and be taken out into, into nature, into the wilderness. And somehow his going out in the wilderness and nature like Christ, he's able to face his heart. He's able to pray. He's able to struggle with the devil even. And this is where a man has to, has to fight also you know, within his own heart. But it's in, it's in many of these things, too. He not only learns how to engage with men, his wife, his family, but also himself. A man needs tutoring and mentoring and guidance on how to face himself. Many men don't know how to do that, and so they shut down. So in any case, Joe, I mean, as we can talk about his journey, second, his masculine identity first. Third, he must be um, t- 
taught how to work with other men. He must uh, learn how to band together, as I say. Mm-hmm. And um, But in that banding together and joining other men, what he needs to really learn how to do is mentor them. He needs to learn what it is to form other boys, how to protect women, how to provide for them, how to reach into their hearts. And so there's a, there's a modality by which men need to exercise their gifts, which I believe are inborn, to reach out to others, especially to train other men. You know, fundamentally, masculinity bestows masculinity. Femininity bestows femininity. You know, women lead other women. Men lead other men and mentor them and guide them. And men need to learn and be summoned that this is what, as I would call, their natural vocation is to do this, is to form other men in the gifts and the talents that they need to learn, but also just what it is to be a man, what it is to be a father of a family, um, even even to engage themselves in their own businesses, what it is to be a member of the church, you know, what it is to participate in the church. So the third aspect of my own ministry, what I'm trying to do is help men understand the whole journey of mentoring other men. Wow. So I think that's the best way of encapsulating what I'm trying to do. Oh, that's great. Now, what are the various formats you, you think you might accomplish this mission? Are we talking about continued uh, speaking tours? Um, sure. How kind of outreach? Well, that would, well, that will be definitely definitely be part of it. You know, I'm still working on a more integrated masculine message. You know, of all those dimensions of masculinity. So I'm still in somewhat of a research phase. But indeed, I'll continue doing the conferences. I'll be continuing, hopefully, to get more things on my website to make these resources available. Uh, where men can download these things, they can, um, you know, order some CDs. But also, too, I find a critical venue, too. I want to work more with men's groups. And, of course, I'm, I'm actually very active with the Knights of Columbus right now, and I'm doing um, conferences for the Knights in their various degrees. Uh, the one uh, set I did, actually my first Knights conference will be published this n- next month in the vision and mission of Michael J. McGivney, Father McGivney. Of course, it comes in a very timely uh, uh, way right now mm-hmm. after just the announcement last week that um, McGivney is now a servant of God. He's now venerable and now a right. candidate for can- the application of canonization. So I think um, I, the Knights, um, I think they need help in, in some of these basic messages. In fact, what's fascinating is um, one group of Knights I worked, I'm working with in the Philadelphia area, one of the agents started a group of Knights in a new parish – and um, he used, uh, in getting the interest of the men to join the Knights, much of my own teachings. Oh, wow. And so he got 50 men together very easily. Wow. So the formula does work. And, of course, these are younger guys, too, who want uh, a more vibrant vision of, of how they can participate in church life. So usually my message is it's more, it's more geared to the guy, you know, after he's finished school, you know, he's out in the working world. And maybe he's married, maybe he's not, but he's asking the deeper questions. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's saying, you know, is this all there is? Is there anything more? Um, and so, you know, from a guy about 25 to 50, he's, he's interested in a lot of these things I'm talking about. So I find that these kinds of men are very much engaged in, in what, at least very much interested um, in what I'm doing. Because I'm, I'm reaching out to this, this group of men, which I think is somewhat marginalized in the church today. Yeah. And doesn't really have much of a place and many of the you know many of the programs we do have in the church are usually for youth young adults very young adults or therefore men over 50 you know mm-hmm. who participate in, in a variety of ways and um, there's very little for the guy in between there who's struggling with the family 
who's trying to find his place in the church. He's just trying to find his place in the home and, and in his business. Um, and so these kind these guys need much help, they need much attention, and they need much guidance from the men around them. So these I, are some yeah. of the things I'm trying to promote and, and, and foster in the church. I felt it put on my heart this last year that uh, we really needed to get a, a men's conference going here in the Diocese of Galveston, Houston. Uh, I, I, I spent 10 years living up in New England, and I was very fortunate to attend the first couple uh, Boston men's Catholic conferences. Oh, great. And they were wonderful. And, you know, we need more of that. And this is the fourth largest city down here in Houston in the country. So, and there's no men's – there's no Catholic men's conference. We are starting uh, what we call the Men's Day of Prayer, which is uh, sort of a much smaller, you know, concept of this. But I feel like we need sure. to be um, – a little more courageous. We need to step out in faith, and we need to go big. I always say, shoot for the stars, and if you hit the street lamp, we'll praise God. And uh-huh. and, and that's kind of what go. I feel needs to get done down here. So that I'm Good really, man. really uh, trying to push forward on that and, and get something going, so that we can get as many guys together as possible. We can call men out, and and just like in that same vein that, that you mentioned, we need to we need to summon them, and then and then really motivate them and really give them a message that they they really aren't going to hear at any other time you know they're they're more than likely not gonna um there's these are these are the kind of guys who who don't come to sunday mass every sunday you know they they pick and choose so you really need to hit them as hard as you can when when you get them when you get them there and that's kind of what i feel like it's put on my heart which is also was good timing because that's when i i really came to discover discover you father and uh and really hear your message and i thought oh well that's just wonderful that's exactly you know what um what I feel is is so important right now, and you know, and the Kingsmen up there—they're doing such a wonderful job. They're doing things that not that I hadn't seen done anywhere else in the country. Right. You know, they, they're having men go out and and protest. You know, adult sexual establishments—that's something you just don't right. hear of. I mean, how how courageous is that? You know, and I've heard it said that if if we want to end abortion in this country, then we got to get men to step up. Absolutely. It, it's not going to end when women decide. It'll end when men decide to stop using women for commodities and, right. and, and start treating women like they were like intended to be treated as creations in, in the image of God and God's likeness. And 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 that's just not happening. I, it's just overwhelming the the amount of um, influence the society has on on our mental and sexual formation. I can't there I can't watch a television channel without being solicited to with with the image of a female body. I can't drive down the road without simple objects being pitched to me, sold to me with the image right. of the female body. It's just impossible. <laughs> right. I mean, and it it amazes me that uh, men have been blinded to how they're being manipulated in this fashion. And yeah, well, it, slowly, slowly but surely, the, the you know the water's been turned up, and the you know the frog has been completely incapacitated. Right. And these things crept up on us as well. But you're right; it's it's men who need to really stand up, you know. But they're afraid, you know. Some don't think it's their place to fight against pornography. Some think it's a, it's a right, you know. It's not a right at all, you know. In fact, it's our duty to stop this, to right. stop the pornography in the streets, um, you know in the media, but definitely in these porn shops and strip clubs. Yeah. These things you've got to see. They do not work toward the good of society, only to bring it down. They tear down the family. And if the family indeed is a cell of society, it's the, it's the, it's the 
the duty of those in society, of those in the state, to take whatever measures they can to protect the family. And to eradicate abortion, to eradicate pornography is absolutely essential and vital. And there's different ways of doing this. You know, there's ways we could be writing letters um, to our congressmen, to senators. There's, you know, we can, we can um, engage some of these protests and other marches. But I think men need to be banding together uh, like the men are showing mm. and getting out there in front of these strip clubs and protesting and making a stand, making a statement. Certainly, of course, united with, you know, prayer and fasting, absolutely, because that's what will make that, that work effective. But it is, it's a man's natural duty to protect society, to protect his loved ones. And so he must be out there. And I have this theory, Joe, um, men don't like to hear this, and that is it's hard for me to believe that with these things going out and men not engaged, these things happening, these evils happening, and men not engaging in these battles, God will not bless men. Right. And I believe this is one of the reasons why men are often dejected, they can't find their place in life, they're bored, uh, they feel unfulfilled, they're mm. unhappy. I believe so long as we men don't do anything to fight these evils and take our natural place in society, defend our women and our families, how can God you know, reward us? Right. How can <laughs> he give us that sense of peace that we're looking for? Um, it's good that men are disturbed. I'm glad they don't have that peace because they must understand that it's not going to be achieved until they're fulfilling the will of God, following their nature, mm. and engaging out there. But men are afraid. Men are afraid. And they always and have they only, been. <laughs> I, mean, I, th I think so. I think so. We go, all the way back to, think we go all the way back to Adam, you know, whose job it was to keep and protect the garden. And the first sign of trouble, what's he do? <laughs> He's basically running right. for cover, and he allows his wife to do to do all the the fending off, uh, you know. And he he's a coward from the very beginning. Right. And then when he's confronted by our Lord in the cool of the day, hiding in a bush, he instead of owning up to what he's done, he he points the finger at the woman, and then points the right. finger at God and says, "Well, it's the woman that you gave me. This is all your right. fault." You know, we as men have been doing that ever since then. We've been cowardly. Right. We've been leaving women to fight our battles. We've been leaving women to to run things. You know, when it's our job. You know, and women sure, women thought. to their yeah. credit have been courageous enough to to step up and do and do that. But you know, we have destroyed the the um, the value of femininity by allowing it to be degraded into a, a commodity like a Coke can. You know, when I'm done right. with it, I crunch it up and I throw it away. And as a result to destroying women, we've destroyed ourselves. And uh, we've yeah. totally bought that lie. And it's a, a lie of cowardice. You know, that's why when we see Christ in the garden confronting the cohort, we see Christ, you know, in front of Pilate and in front of uh, Caiaphas, you know, he's not afraid, you know, to stand his ground and, and say the one thing that got him killed, you know, that I am, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm God. Take me to the cross, you know, right. and that's right. a man's man. And uh, that's exactly yeah. what uh, I recognize that I'm not a man's man, but I recognize that I really want to be because I think God created us to be. Yeah. And, you know, there's things that help men become men when they build up their courage. Um, you know, um, this morning I was at the uh, local abortion uh, clinic here where I live, and um, there's something about being out there and facing those fears. Uh, facing those people you don't want to face. You know, right. um, I don't want to be there. Who does? 
But somehow by being there, it helps me conquer those fears, helps me engage more uh, boldly and vigorously. Mm. And it, certainly with prayer and fasting, I fast every time I go. But in any case, um, when, we, when we do get out there, we find it's not so bad after all. Right. You know? uh, we can do this, and we feel good about it, right. and we feel good about ourselves, that we're, we're at our post. We are where we belong. You know, we're, we're at our place. And um, when, when men start to take those positions, um, they feel good about themselves. It's kind of like diving in that cold ocean. You know, it's a little bit tough in the beginning, but then it feels absolutely great. You know, you know the water is cold. We, it's, we somehow, as men, we come alive in that mm-hmm. challenge. And then we come alive in when we face the wind or face the elements. You know, it's a little tough at first. stings a little bit in the beginning. But then we tend to love it. You know, there's something about the daringness, the audaciousness it takes to meet the elements and these other challenges that that enable men to come alive. That's why men are thrill seekers. Right. That's why men, um, you know, when they don't have those natural um, venues to carry out these needs, um, they will actually seek thrills by doing all kinds of crazy things just to kind of fulfill that something that nature mm-hmm. that wants to go that next level to face that deeper challenge. Mm. Well, Father, you have a lot of material already available. Uh, can we? Can you sure. tell us where, where do we get this material? and What do you have available? Well, um, to confess, I still have to put up all my CDs on my own site. I'm still building uh, that and still working on that. But right now, St. Joseph's Communications does have a number of my recordings um, for sale. And as I said too, that, that set on the mission and vision of Michael J. McKinney will be coming out soon. Their website is www.saintjoe.com, uh, S-A-I-N-T-J-O-E.com, and people can order my resources from that site right now. And I have about four men's sets at least on there, as well as some other uh, missions that I've given. Um, so I think men could find much of this masculine message and much more if they go to that site and order materials from them. And then we also have your website, which is uh, fatherphilipchavez.org. That's F-R philipchavez.org, and I, I will definitely post a link on the blog with this podcast. Good, I appreciate that. And that's Philip with two L's, not one. So I appreciate that very much, Joe. Well, Father, do you want to leave us with any closing thoughts or guidance to us men who are struggling and seeking our, our masculine spirituality? Well, Joe, you know, this is really all about, this, this journey in masculine spirituality is really all about becoming what we are. And becoming what we are, not just for our sakes, but for God's glory. You know, this is the purpose, the ultimate purpose while we're here. That is to give glory to God. All creation somehow gives him glory in virtue of that it is. But you see, when when he gives us a created rational nature like we have and the angels have, and we exercise that for his glory, and we lift that up, that's where he's given, you know, the most glory. And... Glory is given to him when we take this nature of ours with the reason that we have and make it all that we can be, our intellect, our wills, our bodies, even our emotional state and our spiritual life. We're to achieve a certain perfection, you know, to to strive for perfection in the mode that the Heavenly Father is perfect, or at least always striving in a perfection to become better better people with and according to the laws that God gave us, masculine and feminine. And so when we do this, we not only become happier because we become fulfilled in the way God meant us to be, but ultimately we give glory to God, and he is greatly honored. And I find that journey, if men could see 
the you know the deeper ends in their life that they just don't follow the masculine journey or the journey of masculine spirituality for themselves their own their own well-being but when they they pursue that really to glorify God and give something back to him I find that that's when the most fruit is brought to the church and to the world and to the whole body of Christ amen well father you mind uh, just saying a, a prayer for all the men certainly. who listen to this podcast I think I would greatly appreciate that Certainly, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we place ourselves in your holy presence. We ask that you take all of these men and women who are listening now into your divine light, into you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help us, Father, as your sons, to help us understand that you indeed are our Father, and we are here to do your will, and that, that is what we are summoned to do. Help us, Father, see that will, to see it in our lives. Lord, help us to see your Son as not just our Redeemer, the one who saved us, but also the one who is our brother, who walks with us, who shares our sorrows, who shares our hardship, who shares our nature. And Lord, help us to walk this journey of the Son, bring him close to us, help manifest his presence to us, make him real. Father, make him vibrant in our lives, help him understand that he is indeed with us always. But we ask, too, to send the fullness of the Spirit that you can upon all of us men and all those listening, that we as men can understand through that fire which penetrates our intellect, to understand the things you wish us to see, those mysteries of, our, of ourselves, the mysteries of you, Father, the mysteries of the faith you have shown us and revealed through your Son. But again, as we ask, Father, the mysteries of ourselves, our nature, how we can best fulfill this nature, how we can best see our identity, how we can walk that masculine journey, and how we can mentor and guide other men and even women in our care. Holy Father, give us all of these gifts that we need, natural and supernatural, all suffused, of course, with those gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit to make us come alive, become vibrant men of God once more. Holy Father, we thank you. We praise you for our, our masculine nature. We praise you for that feminine nature, Lord, which captivates us as men, which brings richness and grace into our lives. And we thank you for the children you have given us children we have meant to serve but we thank you also for the faith you've given us what is rich in, in the sacramental life all of this that you have you have bestowed upon us in your mercy and your kindness and your goodness we praise you father we glorify you for all these gifts we ask again that you lead us on that journey to enlighten us in our intellects to guide us to strengthen our wills to make us vigorous in body to make us equitable in all our emotions and so we can ultimately, too, grow in the spiritual life with spiritual vigor and vitality and grace. So in the sure knowledge of you, your goodness, we will always gratefully bless your holy name, body, soul, and spirit. And may the blessing Almighty God descend upon all those who are listening, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. I appreciate that. Well, Thank go- you, Joe. God bless you, Father. Thank you for being on the show. I truly appreciate okay. your time. Sure. Keep the good work, Joe. You're doing well. <laughs> News and views. Where are you now? I'm sitting in my office. I doubt that. Why would you doubt that? If you were in your office right now, we'd be having this conversation face to face. Thank you so much, Father. I really enjoyed the conversation. I really enjoyed 
discussing masculine spirituality. It's a topic that needs to be talked about more. And if you're interested in meeting Father Philip Chavez or discussing this or hearing this in a greater, larger venue, well, stop on by the Archdiocesan Men's Day of Prayer next week, July 19th. It's on a Saturday. Starts at 7.30 in the morning, goes to 1 o'clock. And Father Philip Chavez will be one of our keynote speakers as well as Danny Abramowitz. He's an ex-NFL player, and he is a very well-known speaker in Catholic men's circles. So stop by. If you're anywhere near Houston, Texas, I want to see you there. Okay, I'm telling you, you don't have much choice in this. You have to come to this event. We would love to have you. We'd love to, to have fellowship with you, share the Mass with Cardinal Donardo, and have an opportunity to hear about how we can become the men that God meant us to be. That's July 19th in Houston, Texas at the Catholic Charismatic Center. You can find out more details about that at www.mensdayofprayer.org. You know, I realize we have not given away a t-shirt, a Catholic hack t-shirt in quite some time here. So I think it's time to get back to doing that. What do you say? Well, I'll tell you what. The first person who can send me a voicemail. That's right, a voicemail. Don't send me any emails. Send me a voicemail. It's 713-568-6277. And you could win a Catholic Hack t-shirt. I'll send it to you free of charge. No problem. But here's what I want. I want you to leave me a voicemail. And I want you to describe to me three symbols that represent the Holy Trinity in Scripture. Not in the New Testament. In the Old Testament. That's right. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and dive deep on this one. And not just anywhere in the Old Testament. No, what I'm looking for are symbols that point us towards the Holy Trinity from the temple, from the Holy of Holies, from the tabernacle in the wilderness. You're going to have to look for me and and find how the temple was built, what was put inside the temple and where it was placed, and what is the meaning of those sacred items or objects. Let me give you a little hint. You can probably study Leviticus or someplace around there. Anyway, I really want you to find this out because this is so critical when we look towards the New Testament and we see how the old reveals the new and the new conceals the old. And, and it's just so such a beautiful concept. So I want, I want you to see for yourself. And as a reward for your trouble, I will give you a Catholic Hack t-shirt. That's right. So give me a call. Leave me a voicemail at 713-568-6277. That's 713-568-6277. And leave me a voicemail describing to me what these symbols are and how they can point us to the Holy Trinity. Do that today. try to wrap the show up now, but before I go, I want to mention how um, I really appreciated the continued support with iTunes and emails and all that stuff. It's been really, really great, so I want to thank you for that. What a blessing. We still have a lot of work to do in iTunes, apparently. I don't know what happened, but I fell back. I was so close to reaching page one, and then we fell right back, and, and now I'm on page three. What a bummer. But you know what? It's not just me. Like, the Rosary Army and and, and Father uh, Roderick 
and uh, Saint Cast, they all fell down too. Luckily, praise God, they're still on page one. So we have a lot of work to do. We've got to get these Catholic podcasts up on page one. Don't vote for me. Vote for the next guy. Vote for Catholic Underground or Theotokos or Vocations Podcast or any number of the good Catholic podcasts that are out there. Do that today because we need to take back iTunes for the glory of God and for his church, the beautiful Catholic Church. So we could really use your support in leaving reviews, in subscriptions through iTunes. What a fantastic way for you to evangelize. Let's get rid of the church of what's happening now and let's put up the truth on iTunes and let's share the gospel with the entire world. That's the, the, that's the potential of that tool. And that's why I'm passionate about this goal. And I want to see this happen. So please do that today. If you haven't already, also please check out the Catholic Hack Bookshop online at www.catholiccompany.com forward slash Catholic Hack. As always, there is a link on the show notes on the blog at www.catholichack.com. Well, I very much appreciate all the support and prayers that you have given me, and I want to ask you to continue to do that because I'm praying for you, so please pray for me. Until next time, may God richly bless you. God bless. SQPN, the best in Catholic podcasting.